The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Executive Minister, Senior Assistant Minister, and the Director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of a series right now titled Neville Goddard's Seed Time and Harvest which is based upon the book Seed, Time, and Harvest by Neville Goddard, who wrote under the name Neville. Now, I do know that some people um, have gotten various copies of versions of this book. The original version, as far as I know, has been absorbed into the book The Neville Reader, but there are still some copies out there floating and some new copies people have made. So I definitely want you to get it because this book is solely dedicated to how do you work with these Bible with Bible stories, metaphysically interpreted, to be able to demonstrate the good you want in your life? And this is really important because as we get to this chapter today, and it's a really slow, small chapter, so I got a little bit of room to be able to just talk about some things that I really want to talk about and just drive home the point that you can demonstrate this truth yourself. You can demonstrate this truth yourself. That's really important to know and understand. Why is it important to know and understand? Because many times we read these type of books and we take no action because it sounds great in theory. But we don't apply it, so we don't know if we can demonstrate it. Now, I'm a big believer that you can only demonstrate your un- level of understanding. So that doesn't mean that you're going to automatically just start making Moses, Jesus demonstrations. Uh, what it can mean is as you understand it, you can better demonstrate it. For instance, the principle of mathematics is infinite. But you can only demonstrate the principle of mathematics up to your level of understanding. So if your level of understanding is a, is a addition and subtraction, that's as far as it goes. And addition and subtraction is very small numbers. So, you know, you might be at 2 plus 2 and, you know, 4, you know, minus 2 or whatever. And then as you grow, just like in 
childhood to multiplication to division to fractions to you know pre-algebra and algebra and and geometry and calculus and all of those type of things all the way up to people who are doing you know uh you know putting you know uh, you know the Hubble Hubble telescope forgot what it's called telescope satellite through our through our solar system all based on math all based upon the principles of math but functioning at the level of understanding now what a book like this will help us understand is one basic thing what is my level of understanding around God is life God is power God is wisdom God as love, God as substance. What is my level of understanding? Because when what I understand, I demonstrate. Because as Amy Fox wrote, there is no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. And as I often say, you can't outdemonstrate your own consciousness. So. With your level of understanding, your level of faith and conviction, your level of knowing matters. As Neville Goddard wrote in another book, uh, Your Faith is Your Fortune, when he wrote, Man's faith in God is measured by his confidence in himself. In other words, you got a big God, and you recognize that you are the self expression of that big God. That's what image and likeness means then you recognize that you can't have a little you in a big concept of God. The big you goes along with the big concept of God. So as we get into this chapter today, time, times, and a half is based upon a scripture, an obscure scripture, actually. I probably would have never even done a metaphysical interpretation on this if I'd have read it. I probably would have just skipped past it. But that just goes to show you why this universe is infinite. It's found in Daniel chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, and it reads, And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear, or I would say swore, but swear by him, that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. All right. Now, Neville does some interesting interpretation with this. So before I get into his interpretation, I just want to just tackle a couple of things in this really quickly because it, when you do metaphysical interpretation, I'm just going to give you some clues uh, about when you start to look at things, some of the things you might want to pay attention to. Okay. You know, what is a man clothing in? Like a man clothed in linen. I would look at that and say, okay, you know, why is this so, why is it being descriptive of what the man had on? I would pay attention to that because clothes metaphysically can represent the mood or the attitude that a person is in. Um, I'm not going to drill down on the linen and all that type of stuff right now. I'm just giving some clues about how to work and tackle this, which was upon the waters of the river. And waters, depending on the context, means different things. Many times, infinite possibilities. And rivers are running water. 
So you're not just talking about water that's still, but actually water that is moving, water that has a current, water that's going in a direction. All right. And then it says, then the question, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? So when you start talking about wonders, biblically speaking, you're normally talking about some type of demonstration of truth, miracles, um, you know, uh, you know, demonstrations, as we would call uh, a miracle at a high level these days. A miracle is just the outworking of the law in, you know, everyday sense. And the higher the understanding of the law, the higher the demonstration of truth, or what we call a miracle. Uh, now, because a miracle is something we think is well beyond what we would call the norm, well beyond what someone would call uh, a decent, um, predictable outcome. You know, something is beyond what someone considers a predictable outcome. They say, oh, my God, it's a miracle. You know, the the you know the prognosis and the diagnosis or the diagnosis really changes or disappears. Okay, the door opens in ways that that's just unimaginable. You know, supply shows up in ways that can't be predicted. Those are some of the time some of the things we call miraculous. But anyway, then. This, this same scripture talks about I heard the man clothed in linen. See, now I noticed that it said it more than once. So that would pique my interest. Okay, this man. And men normally in metaphysical Bible interpretation can mean mind or more specifically the thinking mind, the conscious mind. Just to be clear, the conscious mind. Then it goes on to say, which was upon the waters of the river, again, stated again, when he held up his right hand and left hand up unto heaven, which is symbolic of lifting or rising in consciousness. When you start directing your attention upward, biblically speaking, it said the same thing in the, in the Gospels when it said Jesus uh, took the bread uh, I mean, blessed the bread, looked up to heaven, and then broke the bread and the fish and gave it to the people, taking the attention off of the appearances and lifting or rising up in consciousness. Because heaven is not, uh, you know, uh, up there somewhere. It's looking up or rising in consciousness is symbolic of tapping into the higher levels of spiritual awareness, tapping into that Christ consciousness. Tapping, tapping into that higher inspiration. So it's really necessary to recognize how little subtleties in Scripture matters. And then he says, then he swear by him that liveth. Okay, so he made, he proclaimed, you know, you know, that by he that liveth, which I would say, okay, one of the terms that people use for God in the Bible is, the, you know, the living God. So I will take a look at, on that and say that it shall be for a time, times and a half. And I would say, you know, personally, and then I'm going to get into Neville's interpretation, I, I always look at scriptures like that and I say, okay, as long as it's needed. 
as long as it's needed. Uh, you know, when, when, when Elisha was talking to the prophet, Elisha was talking to the woman whose sons were about to be sold into slavery. And he said, what do you have? All I have is this jar and a little bit of oil. And he told me, and he said, go gather a pot, a pots, not a few, get a lot. Have your sons gather them and you pour that oil. As long as the, there are pots for the oil to pour, oil will come out of that pot to be able to meet your demand. As long as it takes. Jesus broke the the, the, the fishes and the loaves and fed and had 12 baskets for us over to meet the demands of the moment. As long as it takes to complete whatever needs to be done. Okay, Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 days, 40 nights, as long as it takes. 40 is not, you know, is a symbolic number of as long as it takes. Moses had three year, three forty year periods of his life. Does that literally mean he lived 120 years or he lived as long as it took to get the people to the brink of the promised land? because it's symbolizing something within us as long as it takes. Now, let's get to Neville and his interpretation of this scripture, which is interesting because he actually got it from one of his students. So it says that he was speaking in Los Angeles on the hidden meanings of the Bible on page 92. And the lady asked him about this scripture. And he said he didn't, uh, actually know the interpretation uh, of that of that particular passage. So she said to herself, if the mind behaves according to the assumption which it starts, then I will find the true answer to that question and tell it to Neville. And this is what she told me. Now, this is interesting. Last night, the question was asked, what is the meaning of time, times, and a half as recorded in Daniel twelve seven? Before going to sleep last night, I said to myself, now there's a simple answer to this question. So I will assume that I know it, and, I, and while I'm sleeping, my greater self will find the answer and reveal it to my lesser self in dream or vision. Around 5 a.m., I awakened. It was too early to rise, so remaining in bed, I quickly fell into that half-dreamy state between waking and sleeping, and while in it, that it, while in that state, a picture came to my mind of an old lady. She was sitting in a rocking chair and rocking back and forth, back and forth. Then a voice, which sounded like your voice, said to me, do it over and over and over again until it takes on the tones of reality. I jumped up out of the bed and reread the 12th chapter of Daniel, and this is the intuitive answer I received. Taking the sixth and seventh verses for they constitute last night's question, I felt that, that if the garments which with which biblical excuse me got turned page, biblical characters are clothed correspond to the level of consciousness as you teach, then the linen must represent a very high level of consciousness indeed. For the man clothed in living linen was standing upon the waters of the river. And if, as you teach, water symbolizes a high level of psychological truth, then the individual who 
could walk upon it must truly represent an exalted state of consciousness. I therefore felt that what he had to say must indeed be very significant. Now the question asked of him was, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And his answer was, a time, times, and a half. Remembering my vision of the old lady rocking back and forth and your voice telling me to do it over and over again until it takes on the tones of reality and remembering that his that this vision and your instruction came to me in response to my assumption that I knew the answer, I intuitively felt that the question was the question asked the man clothed in linen meant how long shall it be until the wonderful dream that I am dreaming become a reality. Now let me just stop here for a moment because I think before we get into the rest of this interpretation, because is this is a student who made an assumption that she gave to her own mind before she went to sleep. She told her mind that my higher self, or whatever term you like to use, that her higher self had an answer. She assumed that there was an answer for this. She assumed that there was a, not only an answer, but an answer for her. And she heard it. First, she got the vision. Now, it's a couple of things. She woke up early, and this can happen at times where you're pondering on an idea, then you wake up early, and while you're in the state between sleep and, and full, full clarity, that level of in-between can be a space where you can be almost a best way I can explain it is almost like a meditative space to where your some your your conscious mind is not in full control. You can direct it, but your subconscious mind still has a hold on you for a certain extent. But it also makes it easier for the inspirational spirit to come through. This is why early in the morning and sometimes late at night. Um, when you're not so busy with everything else and the responsibilities of life, inspiration can pop in and slide through so quickly. This is why what, the things you do in the morning and things you do right before you go to sleep makes a difference on because it's actually impressing your subconscious mind and making you more receptive or less receptive to truth. So I just want to add that. And she heard it in a way that, and she saw it in a way that she could understand. She saw an old woman in a rocking chair, and she heard her own teacher's voice speaking to her. So what I'm saying is, spirit will give you the answer in a way that you understand it. I just had a friend of mine, very close friend of mine, uh, call me and give me a very detailed explanation of a vision that he had, a dream, not a vision, a dream, but it was exceptionally detailed with specific people doing specific things. And the very first thing I asked him was, what does it mean to you? Because it was very specific people in very specific things, and it had some um, spiritual leaders in the dream. 
okay, and so, you know, my brain is already playing with, what do these spiritual leaders mean to you? What is what they're saying in these dream, in your dream mean to you? Spirit is not going to give you the formula for, and I'm not saying spirit is not going to give you, let me rephrase that. It's highly unlikely that while you're praying for uh, a healing in your body that you're going to get an answer on, you know, you know, uh, moon rocks because they're not relative to what you need in the moment. And maybe even your level of understanding of how to diagnose moon rocks. I mean, maybe you will, maybe you won't. All I'm saying is spirit will meet you where you are. She has very specific requests, and she got very specific answers. All right, back to the book. Then she goes on to say, all right, and his answer is do it over and over again until it takes on the tone of reality. A time means to perform the imaginary action, which implies the fulfillment of the wish. Let's stop there for a moment. So now we're talking about the exercise of our imagination. Now, you got to remember, Neville Goddard is the king of teaching imagination, okay, because he, he had a simple premise. Imagining creates reality. Imagining creates reality. He would also say that the Christ is your own wonderful human imagination. Now, you know, I teach that differently. I think that imagination is a faculty of the wonderful uh, thing we call the Christ or the I am that is the perfect pattern of who you are spiritually. But I'm not here to cross hairs. The main thing is it's within you. So a time means to perform the imaginary action, which implies the fulfillment of the wish, all right? Imaginary action, not the physical action. Can you get in the space of controlling your imagination to have it take the action of the fulfillment of your wish, the fulfillment of your desire, the fulfillment of your goal, the fulfillment of your dream. So in your imagination, can you see the end result? And when I say see it, I mean live in it to the point of it being a reality. Like literally. Then it says, Times means to repeat the imaginary action over and over again. So you're holding the image, and you're holding the image, and you're holding the image. How long should you hold the image? The scripture says in, in the book of Genesis when Jacob was wrestling with God in the wilderness, which is all allegorical, Jacob said to God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Okay, so you got to hold the image of the end result, the fulfillment of the wishes, Neville would call it. And then you play it in your mind. And you play it in your mind. You take that same situation, sort of like watching a movie or watching a TV clip or watching a YouTube video, just over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. Until you get you, it's a part of you. 
It's like listening to a song over and over again, over and over again, until you can sing all the lyrics straight through. You know, if you go, if, if you play some certain songs that I grew up with that was played in the house by my parents or my uncles and aunties and, and you know, cousins and siblings and things of that nature or my friends, there's certain songs that I can sing word for word and will not miss a word. And I can even get into the feeling sometimes of what those words meant to me at the time. You know, singing a song and really getting into the energy and the consciousness of the music when it was there, when it meant to me then, and maybe even what it means to me now. So in my imagination, I'm already there. I'm already there. Think about it. You sing that song that comes on, and you're already there. You can even sometimes imagine where you were maybe a time when you were singing the song or at a concert hearing the song, or if you're old enough, when you first got the LP or the cassette or the CD before the download. Your imagination can bring all of that back to you, all right? In a, in a level of detail, and you demonstrate the energy that's connected to the feelings and the image of the song or the movie. It connects. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. I remember as a child seeing Star Wars for the first time, and to this day, that Star Wars music gets me. Everybody knows the iconic. Uh, everybody, anybody that's a Star Wars fan knows about the iconic Star Wars movie music, rather. And when the words are on the screen, scrolling down at that angle at the beginning of every Star Wars movie, that gets me. And the sound of a lightsaber coming on, you know, it's nothing like it in movies to me hearing the sound of that light lightsaber. Um, you know, I was, you know, uh, watching uh, uh, one of the shows, The Mandalorian, and they had a, it's supposed to be a, you know, right after the return of the Jedi, and Luke Skywalker showed up, and it felt like everything of the little boy that used to play with the toys and saw the movies all came back. Your imagination is powerful. It could have you experiencing things as if uh, it's just happening now. Your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between a past experience, a now experience, and a future experience. It can have you totally living in imagination and feeling right now as if it's happening even though it might have happened 30 years ago, 40 years ago. The original uh, Star Wars movie was almost 40 years ago. So we're coming up to our break. So I want to make sure that we take care of this break really fast, and I'll be right back with Truth Transforms. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Before we get back to the book, uh, Neville Goddard, Seed Time and Harvest, I just want to remind you of a couple of quick things. First of all, you can tune in to the Christ Universal Temple Sunday service via uh, the Christ Universal Temple Facebook page, Christ Universal Temple, our YouTube page, which is CU Temple, the letter CU and Temple combined, uh, or cutemple.org, which is our website, air at 10.30 a.m. Central Time. You can watch it with us live. You can watch the services later because we leave them up. So we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to get these better living messages and great music, prayer, meditation, and all the good things that go along with our Sunday morning worship service. You also can tune in to our Facebook Live lessons. Monday through Friday, we teach Reverend Wells' book, Live Happy, which is 365 lessons on how to live a happier, better life. Uh, we teach those at noon Central Time. Again, you can watch it live or go back later. I, along with a couple of other people, teach these lessons uh, Monday through Friday. You want to make sure you get those lessons. They are absolutely fabulous. Again, our Facebook page, Christ Universal Temple. What reminds me that Reverend Wells has his own Facebook instructional uh, class uh, setting, meeting. He calls it Temple Talks, which happens at 7 p.m. Central Time on his Facebook page. All you got to do is put at Rev Derek Wells. It pops right up. So you can... Um, you know, tune into that and get those great instructional lessons from Reverend Wells. And it's just so many more things that you can just tune into and get connected to at Christ Universal Temple. So we want to give everybody the opportunity to be blessed, to be touched by this powerful message. All right. So getting back to the book, we're talking about, again, the chapter Time, Times, and a Half. So we're still working through what the woman received in spirit in her vision. So, again, just going back to the point, she said a time means to perform the imaginary action which implies the fulfillment of the wish, which I've already explained. Time means to repeat the imaginary action over and over again, which I've already explained. And a half means the moment of falling asleep while performing the imaginary action. For such a moment usually arises before the predetermined action is completed and therefore can be said to be a half or a part of a time. So I, w I would say that would be similar to once you get the realization, once you get the knowing, once, it's, once you are really complete, there's a letting go to let that which has been accepted in consciousness fulfill itself. Okay. You know, so you've done it as long as, you know, you you you, you got the, the image of the wish fulfilled, the goal, the desire, the dream. You played it over and over again in your mind as long as it takes to get a firm realization, a firm knowing that to have it solidified in consciousness. And then in that consciousness, there's also a release. All right? And, you know to allow it, the universal law to do its perfect work, all right? Because God in you knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. 
That's a great affirmation to have for yourself. God in me knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. God in me knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. So the book goes on to say, to get such inner understanding of the scriptures by the simple assumption, assumption that she did know the answer was a wonderful experience for this woman. However, to know the true meaning of time, times and a half, she must apply her understanding in her daily life. We are never at a loss in an opportunity to test this understanding, either for ourselves or for another. Now, this is key. In other words, he's saying she got the revelation and then the realization. Now, it's her job to make sure she gets the manifestation by testing it in her own life. One of the things that we have to make sure we're doing with this theology, with this philosophy that people call new thought, is to put it to the test. This is why a lot of the early versions of, of what we now call new thought, Christian metaphysics, uh, you know, uh, and it goes by so many different names, is originally the word science was put into a lot of it. Uh, the first person to use this term actually uh, with the word science as a term was actually, from my research, was Phineas P. Quimby used the term Christian science before Mary Baker Eddy. He didn't call his message Christian science as much as he used the term, the science of Christ. Um, and then, obviously, Mary Baker Eddy, who created the sister metaphysical uh, theology, Christian science, which is, you know, very, very similar in many ways. Um, the word science was used to, to promote the belief in this is demonstrable. This is a knowledge, a knowledge that's demonstrable, all right? Uh, the first New Thought organization was Divine Science by Melinda Kramer. Again, this truth, this theology is demonstrable. It was using science in the term of something that is learned that can be demonstrated, something that is learned that can be proven, something that's learned that works. Um, Ernest Holmes called his version of New Thought religious science, but is more commonly known by his trademark core book, The Science of Mind. Now, when he says the science of mind, he's not just talking about lowercase mind, individual consciousness. Science of mind is uppercase mind, the science of divine mind, or the science of God mind. What is the science or the demonstrable knowledge of God? Where do you want this to land? Because when you get what these early people were doing, they always said you got to put it to the test. Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of Unity, co-founded it with his wife Myrtle, uh, once wrote that they don't ask anyone to believe anything they can't practically demonstrate in their lives. The founder of 
Christ Universal Temple, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman was famous for the term since the 50s. It works if you work it. Now, I know many organizations have now used that term. People hear it all the time and might not even know where it comes from. But she would say it works if you work it. I've seen uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and other groups use it works if you work it. But Johnny Coleman was saying that decades ago. It works if you work it. What is the it? She would always say that the it was principle. So what she was really saying was principle works if you work it. The stuff is to be demonstrated, not just to be read, not just to be talked about, not just to be debated. Like, you know, how people debate religion, one belief or another, one ritual over another, one core uh, part of the, of the theology over another. No. We're saying this is a mind science, which is another term that was used for new thought back in the day. This is a mind science. Uh, this is teach, should teach you, as Reverend Coleman used to say, teach you about what makes you tick. And she says, you don't, she used to say, if you don't understand what makes you tick, you won't tick on every talk or something like that. It was, it was a funny way of her saying, you got to know how your consciousness works. You have to know how your spiritual nature works. You have to understand these spiritual principles that govern the universe. And then you have to go and apply it in your everyday life, in your everyday life. All right, back to the book. So Neville goes on to write, a number of years ago, a widow living in the same apartment house as we came to see me about her cats. The cat was her constant companion and dear to her heart. He was, however, eight years old, very ill and in great pain. And I eaten for days and would not move from under the, her bed. Two veterinarians had seen the cat and advised the woman that the cat could not be cured and that he should be put to sleep immediately. I suggested that that night before retiring, she create in her imagination some action that would indicate the cat was its former healthy self. I advised her to do it over and over again until it took on the tones of reality. Now notice that. Take on the tones of reality. Can you believe it to be a reality? Is it true to you in your own soul? That's taking on the tones of reality. All right, again, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. All right, back to the books. This she promised to do. However, either from lack of faith in my advice or a lack of faith in her own ability to carry out the imaginary action, she asked her niece to spend the night with her. This request was made so that if the cat were not well by the by morning, the niece could take it to the veterinarian, and she, the owner, would not have to face such a dreaded task herself. That night, she settled herself in an easy chair and began to imagine the cat was romping beside her, scratching at the furniture and doing many things she would not know, not normally have allowed. Each time she found that her mind had wandered from its predetermined task to see a normal, healthy, frisky cat, she brought her attention back to the room and started her imaginary action over again. This she did over and over again until finally a feeling of relief 
in a feeling of relief. She dropped off to sleep, still seated in her chair. At about 4 o'clock in the morning, she awakened by the cry of her cat. He was standing by her chair. After attracting her attention, he led her to the kitchen where he begged for food. She fixed a little warm milk, which he, he quickly drank and cried for more. The cat lived comfortably for five more years when, without pain or illness, he died naturally in his sleep. So this is really powerful because one of the things that it's teaching us is this. Our consciousness can influence and affect other people and uh, other beings, in this case a cat, and other situations. So when someone says, uh, you know, pray for me, that shouldn't be taken lightly. That means stop and hold it in consciousness, whatever the ideal is, until you can get into the space of knowing, of realization, for what to do is perfect work. People hear stuff like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, they hear somebody going through something, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying for you. And and they, people say it so glibly at times. But what that means is you should be carrying forth a, an intention that you're giving to the universe that you are lifting this person up to the uh, higher ideal, an idea of themselves. Lifting that person up in consciousness. So at Christ Universal Temple, we have a prayer ministry that um that you know that you can call into and get prayer prayer requests and you know the prayer number is seven seven three five six eight one seven one seven by the way seven seven three five six eight one seven one seven and when the person answers the phone the first thing they say is you know thank you for calling Christ Universal Temple Prayer Ministry how may we pray with you notice how may we pray with you. Now, I know Silent Unity is uh, works with the Unity Movement. I don't have Silent Unity's number in front of me right now, but I'm sure it's somewhere on the unity.org website. Um, the point is both organizations believe in agreeing with the person that their life is in divine order in divine grace, in divine peace, that prosperity is the standard, that health is expressing or whatever is needed in that experience. We're agreeing with you. Why? Because where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. In other words, when we come together in a collective consciousness around this higher idea and ideal that we call the Christ within, there the power to demonstrate that truth is. So saying that you're going to pray for someone or something a means to really be still and know. And if you need to proclaim, in other words, speak the word, if it just means holding in consciousness, I don't know. Because you've got to go by your own inner feeling. Sometimes it's just holding the image like Neville taught the lady to do about her cat. Sometimes it's holding the image and then speaking the word of truth for that situation. 
Sometimes it's telling a person that you're praying, and sometimes it's praying without ever saying a word to anyone, that you're holding and lifting them up in consciousness. And remember this. If you can worry, you can pray. If you can worry, you can pray. If you can worry, you can meditate because meditation is just a contemplation of an idea until it takes you beyond the contemplation. Worry is the contemplation of something you don't want to happen over and over again. So in a way, worry is, I don't want to use the word negative meditation, but that's the gist of what I mean by that. It's the contemplation of something you don't want over and over again. So while you might be meditating on some scripture or idea or affirmation until it takes you to a deeper aspect of yourself, other people are just worrying about what could go wrong or what is going wrong over and over again or what went wrong over and over again. If you can worry, you can pray. If you can worry, you can meditate. If you can worry, you can study. I just want you to be present to that. So Neville taught this woman how to apply this truth and it influenced and affected her cat. And and most people who are animal people, dogs, cats, etc., they will tell you that their um, their pet is very sensitive to their consciousness. They know when they're angry. They know what they're, when they're sad. They know when they need to be cheered up. They, they're very sensitive, just like children are very sensitive to their parents or guardians energetically. So your consciousness has an influence on people, on pets, on experiences. You know, even inanimate objects that we say aren't, aren't alive, you know, have you ever been the person who would talk to your car when it wasn't acting right and somehow it, it made it home or whatever. Like, come on now. You know, I can I have an image of my mom rubbing the panel of a car. We were trying to get somewhere and the car was acting like it was going to stop. And my mom just started loving the car up, like praising the car. Come on, I know you could do it. You could whatever till we got home. She praised that car to our driveway. That's how you make it work. And first, you can say, well, that's just coincidence. Okay, maybe it is. But I doubt it. Because just like there are people with a green thumb who have the consciousness, they talk to their plants, and the plants grow and prosper. There are people who don't have the green thumb, and that same plant dies with the same outer care sometimes, the same food and the same water, the same sunshine. But why does one person, uh, through their love of what they're doing, project that love, project that energy into that plant and that plant lives? I just want you to recognize just how much power is available to you that's mainly unused or misappropriated. Just be present to it. So as Neville is teaching the lady about 
this cat and how to make this demonstration, the cat is no different in spirit to money, to health, to business, to jobs, to uh, homes, uh, to anything else that is that can be manifested, and everything can be manifested. If it's a possibility, it can be manifested. If it's a, a thought, an idea, a belief, it can be manifested. So, you know, so when Johnny Coleman would say God doesn't know the difference between one penny and one million dollars, she literally meant it. That wasn't theory for her. In other words, it was, it's just as easy for God to demonstrate a penny as it is one million dollars. The reason why we don't do it is because that's a big deal for us, depending on where we are in consciousness. There's no difference between God curing the common cold as it is, the 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 dis-ease in the body that someone says is incurable. Because here's the thing. If anybody has ever been healed of an incurable disease via prayer, via the application of spiritual principle, then it is possible for everyone, it only excuse me. It only takes one person to prove a principle, and then other people can run with it. It only took the Wright brothers one opportunity to get that raggedy flying device that they had off the ground for a little bit of time to make people realize there's a principle to flight and I can apply it. This is what I want you to get. This is what I want you to understand. If anybody has ever grown and prospered their business via prayer, it is possible that you can do it. If it's been anybody who has beat addiction or who has... Um, created a completely new life for themselves through prayer, through the application of spiritual principle, then it's possible that you can do it. See, we get too caught up in how many people were doing it versus a human being actually did it. Now, if a human being actually did it, and I'm a human being, then you before you start talking about all the other spiritual stuff that goes along with being a human being, if a human being did it, then it's possible that I can do it. When Roger Bannister uh, ran the mile in less than four minutes, which had never been done, and people have been trying to do it since the days of the Greeks and Romans, what he did in the 1950s, he broke the belief that it that it wasn't possible. It only took one person. By the next year, more people were doing it. Now, junior high children do it, something that was considered impossible for over 2,000 years is now being done by children, 12 and 13 years old. What is the difference? 
when people started to believe that it was possible because one person did it. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. This is why in the New Thought Movement, people follow the model and example that is given in the Bible of Jesus. They're saying, okay, if Jesus, if one person expressed and manifested the Christ at that level, then it's possible for all people to do it. And this is why in New Thought, we call Jesus the way shore. The way shore, because we teach that Jesus is the great example, not the great exception. It's possible for you. So what that means is you might have to, again, apply, the, apply what you learned from this chapter, time, times, and a half. You've got to hold that image in consciousness. You have to make it as real as possible in your own mind that you're experiencing the end result in your own mind. You have to repeat it in your mind over and over again to make it as real as he says until it takes on the tones of reality. And then when you get to the space where you can completely release it in spirit, then it is done. So he closes this chapter with the scripture. Uh from uh, Job. In a dream, Job chapter 33, verses 15 and 16. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when the deep sleep, deep sleep falleth upon men, and slumbering upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men and sealeth their instructions. So this gives us an opportunity to continue to work with this truth. So, we run out of time, so stay tuned in. Continue to work this material because it works if you work it. God bless you, and I'll be back with you next week with Truth Transforms. Take care. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.